you can't predict everything going on around you. It's like constant chaos. What are the things that you can actually control? And so the vision for the business has always been to be the most trusted brand for everyday health through this kind of ritualization of products. Companies like ours are so committed to fight climate change that it's giving me a little bit more hope that the future for our kids isn't so bleak. Welcome to season three of the Beyond Capital podcast. People always ask me, what is the secret sauce to marrying profit with purpose? We're back for another season to bring you the stories of successful leaders that are building and scaling purpose-driven businesses. I'm Eva Yazari, general partner of Beyond Capital Ventures. And I'm Ed Stevens, CEO of Scoot. Together, Eva and I have built and invested in businesses worth millions. We wanna show you how conscious leadership translates impact in all facets of a business and how it can show up in a company's operations, product, and culture sometimes unexpectedly. Whether you're a leader of a company, team, household, or just yourself, we hope you walk away knowing the possibilities of impact for you and feeling inspired to take action every day. This is the Beyond Capital Podcast. Today's guest is Katarina Schneider. She otherwise goes by Kat. Katarina is the CEO and founder of Ritual, a health and wellness company that is setting a new standard in the supplement industry through traceable science and traceable sourcing. Previously, Kat was a venture partner with Troy Carter in his investment fund, AF Square, and that's where she managed an active portfolio of over 70 investments, including Stylesy, Dropbox, and many others. Earlier in her career, Kat served as the head of global innovation at Atom Factory, a branding, digital, and entertainment management company where she led digital strategy and high-level technology partnerships for high-profile artists such as Lady Gaga, one of my favorites, cried at the end of the movie, Wow! and John Legend, along with associated brands and investment portfolio companies. She also was at Universal Music Group, worked in business and strategy at, I'm getting out of breath here, Fox Audience Network, and also was an investment banker at Lehman Brothers in the global gaming and lodging business. Welcome, Kat. Great to have you on the show. Thanks. I'm excited to be here. And really excited to learn about Ed's love for Lady Gaga, which we'll talk about later. (laughs) What? Maybe it was a Bradley Cooper. (laughs) Oh, I see. Okay. I understand. (laughs) Yeah. So Kat, we know a little bit about your background, that your parents were successful entrepreneurs and worked on Wall Street and their examples somewhat informed and inspired who you are today, but I'd love to hear that from you. Tell us your story and how you came to found Ritual. So my parents, my dad is actually an entrepreneur. My mom worked on Wall Street. My family and I moved to the U.S. when I was about four years old, and we were actually refugees from Ukraine. And I lived in a welfare hotel. We had moved to to this country with $50 and a suitcase. And they were really kind of inspiring in in my journey as an entrepreneur, seeing them follow their dreams and and not follow the traditional path that was laid out before them really inspired me to follow my dreams. And I always knew that I wanted 
to start something. I saw how difficult it was. I saw the ups and downs at, at the dinner table every night, just listening to my dad, even talk to my mom and, and myself. I kind of knew what was ahead of me, but I just never had the idea that kept me up at night and an idea that, you know, I couldn't stop thinking about. And that all changed. I was actually working for Troy, as you guys mentioned, working with incredible artists and amazing founders. And we'd invested in everyone from Uber to Dropbox, Warby Parker, Spotify. And I met all these amazing founders and I was working with Troy and we were helping them tell their stories around their brands and really connect brand and, and digital together. And when I got pregnant, my whole world changed. And I think I and weirdly got the confidence to become a founder because the idea and the thought around prenatal vitamins at first, but then changing the supplement industry and this vision that everyone deserves to know what they're putting in their bodies and why greatly moved me into this entrepreneurial realm. And I knew I had to start something. So, yeah. So before we get into the ritual um, kind of value proposition and, and, and how you came to that, digging in on that family upbringing, I had a similar, you know, my upbringing was very entrepreneurial. My uncles and aunts and grandparents, they were all entrepreneurs. I remember the ups and downs really, really well, like especially at holidays where you would realize that, you know, whether Uncle Jerry was having a good year or a bad year, you know, everybody was eating turkey. And I think that that somehow provides a force field against the fear of failure that holds a lot of people back from being entrepreneurs. Do you agree with that or disagree with that? I agree. I do think it's interesting because I, I saw it firsthand, but but I was still nervous of failing. And I, I don't know if it's this Eastern European upbringing and, and both my parents are mathematicians. I ended up studying math and, and which was really kind of impactful in how I saw the world trying to solve the world as, as puzzles and problems. But I, I think I had this fear of failure still ingrained in, in my head, you know, and I think I still do in some some way because because the path is just just seeing the path not be so linear always has been really interesting. On top of that, my husband is a serial entrepreneur, and I would say he had a really big impact on me starting Ritual because he kind of pushed me over the edge. I always thought I needed a co-founder. I thought I needed somebody to, I wasn't good enough to just do this on my own, even though I had the idea and I needed partner. And he just kind of opened up my world to being like, you're good enough. You're going to, you have a great idea. Just do it and we'll figure it out. And I, and I often see that with, with also a lot of female entrepreneurs that I, that I mentor is they're, they always, if they have the idea or the vision, it seems like we always need that extra you know, support, but we are strong enough to do it ourselves. I can relate to that. I mean, Ed tells this story about his family often on the podcast, and I think for for good reason. And actually, I've really been really inspired by that story, Ed, of knowing about like that everybody was still having Thanksgiving dinner, even if they weren't having a good year. I think the fear of failure does hold back so many founders. And frankly, in my portfolio as a VC, I see that kind of drives founders to make poor decisions because they're constantly fearing failure and not understanding that entrepreneurship often comes with periods of up and down. But I do want to get back to your VC career, Kat, because when I hear your bio and 
and read the names of the companies that were in the portfolio that you were actively managing, I wonder, did any of those businesses inspire you to think differently about the supplement space and and create the idea for Ritual? How did you conceptualize this idea? The companies that I managed in the portfolio hadn't directly impacted my vision for the business I would say my personal experience and and kind of the relationships that I started to form while I was running and partnering with Troy on the fund greatly impacted the vision. So I was pregnant. Even before I was pregnant, I was looking for a prenatal vitamin. I looked at what was out there and it wasn't something that I trusted. And there hadn't really been too much innovation in the space. A lot of products didn't really have clinical studies behind them. They didn't have traceability in the ingredients. And so you really couldn't trust something during the most vulnerable stage in your life. And I knew that we deserved better. And that's how Ritual was formed. And I think the relationships that I formed during the time from meeting with CTOs to meeting with brand architects and designers to creatives and kind of multidisciplinary people helped impact the future of Ritual because Ritual is also a technology company. You know, we kind of pioneered a lot of design and and visual language that was new to the space. We employ over 20 scientists. And so it really changed how, how I thought about all these like multidisciplinary people collaborating together on a vision which ended up being larger than prenatal vitamins, even though we are leading one of the leading prenatals in the U.S. now, which I'm really proud of. I remember that same conundrum when I was pregnant, actually, and uh, it was before the time of your company. Unpack what it means to not be a traceable vitamin. That's a great question. So it's been wild in the last 30 years. We've gone from 4,000 to 30,000 supplements in the market, and there's been little to no updates in terms of regulation. When I say traceability for us, the best example of that is our multivitamin for Women 18 Plus, which is actually the first product that that we launched, a flagship product for Ritual. And it is this trifecta of traceability. It has a peer-reviewed and published human clinical study, and it's published in an international journal. And clinical studies are not a requirement in the category. We went above and beyond and published it. The second thing is it also has USP verification, which less than 1% of supplement companies have. And it's a gold standard in the industry for both potency and purity. So you know what's on the label is actually there. Wild. (laughs) And the third thing that this product also has is a patent on the delivery technology. We often think that you know, all that matters is just the ingredients in, in, in the supplement, but it actually matters in how they get delivered in the body. And so those three things to me are the epitome of not just higher quality ingredients, which we believe in, and you can see our ingredients on the site and where they come from in the world and why they're there, but really backing up the proof and, and telling our customers, hey, don't, don't just take our word for it. Here's actually the proof behind the science and, and sourcing. When you started the business, did you envision more than just the multivitamin and the prenatal categories? I mean, if you go to your website, you easily see that you have branched out into gut health, into skin, into even protein powders and supplements. Did you almost predict where the industry was going? Do you have anything for gray hair? (laughs) I have one for gray hair. Oh, you do? Yeah. (laughs) When I started the company, the vision was around prenatal vitamins because that's the stage of life that I was in. And quickly before I launched, 
the business evolved to ritual and not ritual vitamins, but you know, we got ritual.com and it was ritual because the most important thing was how do you actually get people to change the way they interact with the products they use every single day and ritual being the ultimate, how do you elevate a routine to a habit, to a ritual? And so the vision for the business has always been to be the most trusted brand for everyday health through this kind of ritualization of products. We actually started with a multivitamin for women 18 plus and not a prenatal, which is something most people don't know. We launched with one single SKU and it was important for me to earn the trust of this consumer, the, the pregnant consumer and not launch the prenatal right away, take our time to actually build that trust. It's wild because when I was starting the business and I was pregnant and I was raising, you know, VC money, which is a whole crazy story. You know, I had an investor tell me you can either start a business or a family, but you can't start both. Insane. But I was also told that you will never earn the trust of this consumer online. Like historically, people are buying their prenatals in store or getting recommendations from their OBs or friends there hadn't really been a precedent of a D2C brand in the category. And so I knew we had to do things a little differently and we had to be super methodical and almost surgical about this relationship and protect it at all costs. And so we launched this multivitamin for women 18 plus first. We built the first of its kind traceable supply chain where people could see our ingredients and where they come from in the world and why they're there omega-3s from microalgae from Nova Scotia, D3 from wild harvested lichen. We actually shared all the suppliers. And then people were like, we want a prenatal. <laughs> this is a prenatal. And we're like, you know, and, and then it came. And so slowly but surely we started building, we started building on that in, in the portfolio, but we didn't launch all these products at once. And every product I would say created a different layer to the story while all laddering up to traceable sourcing and traceable science and being the most trusted brand for everyday health. But they all added these really interesting layers and I can kind of go into each one if we have time, but especially protein, which is a really fascinating one. So as you've grown, you must have gone through quite a few stages of your team and your operations. Which one has been your favorite? I think the beginning is was so fun. It was probably the, you know, I think that's probably a common founder feeling that the the old the good old days where everything was really exciting. You know, I, I think the beginning and now are actually kind of the two most exciting stages of the business. The beginning was exciting because we were challenging the status quo. Everyone was telling us no about everything. You know, no one wanted to work with us. We were going to sell this multivitamin online direct to consumer for a $30 price point when other products were $10 at you know, their local store. And we were going to do things differently. We were going to invest in clinical studies and certifications and third-party testing. You know, everything felt like a no. And, and that was really exciting to me to, to kind of prove people wrong and have this crazy impact really quickly on so many people, you know, get to a nine-figure business very fast and while also having a huge impact on the world. And I think right now is a really exciting time in the business as well, because we've been entirely direct to consumer until now, and we're becoming omni-channel. We recently launched in Whole Foods and Target and Amazon all within the last 12 months, where, as you guys mentioned earlier, we're expanding to all these different products under the same vision. And 
we're also having a bigger impact on the world, which I know is part of the conversation I'm really excited to have. And it's bigger than just our products. We, we kicked off some advocacy work that's really important to me and the brand. And, you know, as I mentioned, this, this industry is regulated, but they're things that are, are tides that rise all ships and, and, and issues that we see with, with the industry where we think there could be even more oversight and regulation by the FDA. Two areas that are really exciting to, to us are heavy metals. So the industry is, especially plant-based proteins, are notoriously high in heavy metals. And we are one of the first companies to actually list our heavy metals re- results of our protein powders on our site, which wow. is wild. Why do plant-based proteins have heavy metals in them? Just There are heavy metals in everything. There's heavy metals in water. There's, you know, recent articles around heavy metals in chocolate. Actually, cacao has really high heavy metals. Basically, anything and everything has heavy metals, but... The amounts really matter and there's no real health protective measures in the supplement industry when it comes to those limits and what is actually important for our health. In California, we have Prop 65, which you'll see the warning if anything's above 0.5 parts per million and it'll it'll be this kind of warning on the back of, of labels. But beyond that, there's really nothing else. And so it's not even just not having it, it's actually being open about the amount. And so at Ritual, we use peas that are grown in the in North America through regenerative farming versus overseas. And that's that's actually really important to the reduction. And so you see, you know, plant-based proteins just have really, really high heavy metals because they're grown overseas where there's really little to no regulation around what's in the soil. And so that has a tremendous impact on people's health. And you and then what's crazy is because people think that they're doing something healthy for themselves. I always think, you know, you're you're drinking your plant-based protein smoothie, but it could be really high in heavy metals, which is wild. But anyways, I think going back oh to Oh my God. Um, we have to rethink to, our lives, Ed. There's another thing to worry about. I'm not, <laughs> what else do we need to worry <laughs> about, Kat? <laughs> but yes, yeah, so I think so. The thing that I'm excited about this stage is the advocacy work we're doing on heavy metals and also the word of uh, the term clinically studied. So a lot of products will say they're clinically studied, but they don't actually have clinical studies on the products or even the ingredients at the dosages and the, and the forms. And so the work around advocacy that's really exciting to me is that it has a bigger impact than just our products. It'll have a bigger impact on the entire industry. So if you can't afford our products or whatever it is, hopefully that impact will impact all the products that people are putting in their bodies. When we think about you as a conscious leader, which is why we are so happy to have you on the show, because we are interviewing purpose-driven leaders here. You've mentioned already the supply chain, the consciousness of the supply chain. You've mentioned going above and beyond your business and the advocacy, and you've mentioned your customers. You have also raised more than $40 million for Ritual. Maybe it's more at this point, but you've raised a good amount of money for your business. And I assume in that process, you were able to get to know investors and maybe even make some choices about you know, who the best investors were for you. What was that process like? And how did you, you know, pick your investors? Don't you hate those investors? (laughs) He's looking right at me. (laughs) I love our investors, actually. Good answer. Yeah, it's it's wild. I 
people are always weirded out when I'm like, I love my investors so much, but we, three, three out of four of our board is, is women. So that's pretty wild. And I would say it was interesting being an investor and going out and raising the first round of funding because even the relationships I had, people decided to not invest in me, which was wild to me. It was like, here, I have these relationships and investors had for you know years and actually had to go out and find some new new folks. But I think what helped me a lot, having been in on the other side, was realizing that this was going to be a partnership and it wasn't just going to settle for whoever was going to give us a, a term sheet. Like I actually had to interview and get to know them as well. And I think when you're kind of a first time founder, a lot of times people just you'll take whatever comes to you first or whatever the the, the hype is or the fund that has the greatest hype. But it really came down for me about the partners. And as we've seen the last couple of years have been so wild for any, any startup. And it really shows like who you, who you partnered with, just like in any relationship. And so I got really lucky. So we actually raised money from Founders Fund, from Forerunner and Norwest. And they've been together with us since the first round of funding. And they've continued to put money into the business as it's continued to scale, both in the ups and the downs. And I would say I rely on them for so much advice, strategy. They've helped us hire people and just have supported us along the way. And and that's why I started the answer by saying I love our investors. And one of the investors I have a biweekly call with, and we talk about everything from life to our kids to team to what's going on in the business and been really incredible. I love my investors too. Don't forget, Ed, I have investors. I have investors. I was joking. (laughs) I know. I'm kidding. I'm just kidding with you. (laughs) No, it's, it's a common misconception that, you know, investors are this mean or, you know, whatever, but they're in the same boat as, as the founder, you know, once they're invested at least. And I had the same thing, boy, so many people who I knew I had have been very successful in my first company and sold it. And still some people didn't really buy into my, my vision for this company, but isn't it great proving them wrong? It's the most fun, right? That is so satisfying. I just, I love it. I love it so much. I, you know, and they, it's been, well, I don't know if it's been clinically proven, but I know that there have been studies done on people who are like positive, motivated by positive versus motivated by negative. I definitely get motivated by negative. Oh, interesting. Yeah. What about you, Kat? I'm definitely motivated by negative. So much so that we made it a company value. So embrace the nose is one of our main Mm -hmm. company values. And we often say that if someone says no, it just means it hasn't been done before. Mm -hmm. Like growing a business and a family. Like the person who told you, you can't do both. That's a crazy thing to say. Oh, I bet Kat and I can make a list of the things that we've been told growing businesses and families. Really? <laughs> what do what, you think, Kat? That'd be a fun podcast episode. I think so. What's the worst thing you've heard? My work is a hobby. Wow. What, because you have kids? I guess so. I'm not sure where it was coming from, but, or is it pet, pro- it was, it was a pet project. Is that always actually. a man? Kat, is it always a man? I'm, you know, I wouldn't <laughs> no, say. No, it's that. not. I would say like, Sometimes I, not. I hate going to couples like networking events. Honestly, that's the bane of my existence. I would say that's where the worst stuff comes out. Couples networking? Well, like when you're, if you have a partner and you're going to like a dinner and there's other successful or or not successful (laughs) founders or entrepreneurs, CEOs, whoever there, and you're with your spouse and you're, you know, potentially the one that has the 
the company, but you are a woman, mm. you know, it's always like this awkward conversation of like, oh, so you're, you, you stay home with three kids or what, what do you do to keep yeah. yourself busy? You know, that, that, I feel like that is my biggest pet peeve. It's almost like we need a protocol for how to address women in the workplace or women who are working or building businesses. And I think both are fine and I support both decisions. And I have friends who work harder than I do as moms that stay home. I think it's just not fair to assume things. I think people sometimes just say the dumbest things, but yeah. Yeah. No, I can I, I agree with you. I think we actually are getting to this juicy topic that we've never talked about on the show, which is what female founders occasionally have to deal with. It's not just in the numbers. It is in some of these smaller comments. You could call them microaggressions. You could call them just bias or mistakes, but hundred percent agree that there's always a little awkwardness around, well, what do you do as the, the female as well? And I like the value of you know, embrace the nose in your company. And I think that that, it kind of like wrangles that, that challenge that we face as female founders. I mean, I see myself as a founder and starting my own VC fund as well. What are some other company values? Being obsessed is one, getting gritty and then having an impact. So impact has been kind of core since day one. And I would more recently, that's why I said I'm excited about this phase in the business we actually created an impact function in the org and hired a chief impact officer to really kind of formalize it and also codify a lot of the work that we were doing on the impact side. So that that's what I'm really kind of geeking out of, about right now. We, we just launched our impact report where we talk about everything from our carbon footprint to our sustainability on the packaging side to traceability of ingredients to DEIB goals and where we're at as a business. So that's been really exciting. You are known for attracting top talent from major corporations as well. How are you moving to the people side of conscious leadership? How are you creating a place where people want to work? I think it goes back to, to the early days and actually I think it's an advantage that I've given birth three times since starting Ritual, wow. <laughs> having been pregnant, you know, three times since since the inception of the company, because I knew what a, what I would want the experience to be like if I was working somewhere and I was a parent. And the pandemic was an interesting time because I think a lot of people ended up cutting a lot of benefits to their employees to cut costs. And that was kind of the first place to go for us especially on the parental leave side, we actually went the other way. Mm. Uh, so it was a really hard time for parents. So we have 30% of our employees are parents. We increased our parental leave policy to, to five months and then eight weeks of flexible work on top of that and a child care stipend. The reason for all of that is I wanted to create a, a workplace that I wanted to come to and be really happy and feel like I was, it was aligned with my own personal mission and I was really fulfilled. And I think the only way to do that was also to bring in people that were also fulfilled in their vision, both work and and life. I knew how hard it was in the, especially the early days of, of having a baby. And so I think that was just a good example of us really taking care of our employees, just one of the many benefits that we, that we have. And I would say that's part of the reason we attract top talent. But the other is I think people are 
obviously bought into the mission of being the most trusted brand for everyday health. People are really attracted to our millions of dollars that we've invested on the scientific side and just being around like really good people, you know, at the end of the day, being around people that you want to spend time with during this crazy time in our lives. That's really inspiring. I mean, I think I'm learning a lot from you. And I think that there's a lot of intentionality behind what you just said about creating a a place that people want to work at. So how old are the kids now? One is turning three this weekend. The other is five and then seven. So they're actually, so the first one, the first, my first daughter, Tali was the inspiration I say behind the company. And she's the reason I started it. So what would you do if she came to you and said, mom, all the other kids are eating gummy vitamins. <laughs> well, I would say that she was the reason why I created a gummy vitamin, actually. Um, oh, but a yay. Sugar-free one. So I went, I was at the pediatric dentist with her and, and the others. And the dentist said, you know, don't ever give your kids gummy vitamins. Because all mm. of the kids that come in here have problems with their teeth because of those, they think. You know, I don't know if there's real science there, but... That was the reason for me to say, hey, I want to create something that she's excited about that tastes great, but doesn't have sugar. And so our, our, our kids vitamin has zero grams of sugar, which I'm pretty proud of. But she does come home and, and she goes to LAUSD and tries foods that we don't have at our house. And it's interesting because I remember growing up and, and kind of surviving off of school lunches. And it's just kind of an interesting time now. We're incredibly privileged my, my kids don't have to survive off of school lunches, but they do get a taste of them sometimes <laughs> because I can't control them. And she'll come home and say, hey, you know, the, they make milk with chocolate these days. <laughs> I don't have any of those. When I have any of that at home, like, oh, wow, you discovered chocolate milk. Cool. I think it's, it's a really tricky challenge to be someone that's surrounded by nutritionists and scientists all day and knows And is kind of a conspiracy theorist and have kids that are exposed to, you know, candy and other things all day long and and not go crazy. I can totally relate with my my two kids. That's a whole episode. That's that's season four. (laughs) That is season four. Exploring food. (laughs) Children. Children stuff. And food. Yes. Yeah. All right, Kat. Well, we'd love to get to know you even more personally. And we can do that through our rapid fire questions. Let's so, do it. Uh-oh. Here yes. we go. What book is on your nightstand right now? Not one you would expect, but I am a big fan of Lauren Bostick. I just went on, on her podcast as well as Getting Confidential, and she sent me a copy of her book. I'm like looking over because I can see it. Can I curse on this episode or should I sure. keep it? <laughs> it's called Get the Fuck Out of the Sun, <laughs> and it's a skincare book. Oh, wow. Oh, Great. I love that. And I can't wait to look that My daughter knows how to read now and she read it and I had to keep it away from her. Oh yeah. 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 That can go in season four. Yeah. <laughs> when your kids can spell. Right. All right. What is your go-to beverage in the morning? Coffee, tea, or caffeine free? My go-to beverage first thing I do when I wake up is water, but then I would keep it a little more interesting about an hour later I do have a matcha and I discover this crazy matcha hack which I was doing matcha wrong for like 10 10 plus years but if you get one of those deep frothers where you can pour them the almond milk into you can actually add your matcha into that without whisking it 
Makes so much sense. And it's like the super frothy and the powder like frosted, frosted and you can add other, you know, botanicals and things in there. And it's the most You mean like an espresso frother? Like an espresso frother? Like one of those? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anything that's kind of deeper. cylinder. The cylinder yeah. kind? Yeah. And I was, I was, you know, whisking this thing for like 10 years and a friend yeah. of mine gave me this hot tip and, I, and it's changed my life. Did you heat it up? It, it heats, heats it up, up for you. you. It heats it up, yeah. I am about to take that one home with me for sure. Wow. Do, Thank do, you. Do, do, do. Yeah. Name something, Kat, that's giving you hope right now. I think that something that wasn't giving me hope before was just our generation's impact on the environment. And I would say I'm hopeful as a company that re- recently became a B Corp and right. has a goal by 2030 to be carbon zero and have by 25, 100% sustainable packaging. We're 74% of the way there. I think that companies like ours and others and individuals are so committed to fight climate change that it's giving me a little bit more hope that the future for our kids isn't so bleak. Yeah, I heard a quote yesterday from a journalist who wrote a book called The World is on Fire and We're Still Buying Shoes. He was interviewed on on another podcast and he said, we don't need a few people to be perfect. We need many people to just be better. When's the last time you bought a pair of shoes? Maybe a month ago. I was just trying to think. I don't think I bought a pair of shoes in probably a year. I know, but you're great at that. (laughs) I'm the same. What about you, Kat? (laughs) I just, I I work out every day. So I just, I bought maybe like a pair of New Balances a couple months or maybe six months ago. But I'm not a big shoe person. I like, I literally wear sneakers with with dresses. I love that. (laughs) Jimmy Choo's. I'm getting there. No, No, not Jimmy Choo. They seem so unconscious. To be honest, I don't need what those are dress shoes, though, right? Yes, yes. Okay. You know, I feel like no one sees you anymore, so it's just being comfortable is good. Yeah, for sure. I aspire to. What's a big trend right now you're watching in your industry? Ingestible skincare. So we actually just entered that market of of ingestible skincare with our product Hyacera, which is an ingestible hyaluronic acid with a plant based oil that has phytoceramides and glycolipids and it has an impact on skin hydration as well as the reduction of the appearance of fine lines and wrinkles. And I'm just excited about that one in particular because it's kind of flips flipped the beauty industry on its head, which has definitely been lacking in some of the science. And so we're here to bring that to the industry. I like to say, did you know you can swallow your skincare and this shocks people. Now I know. It's going on my shopping list. Do you have a favorite resource for staying up to date in your industry, whether it's a podcast or a website or a newsletter? Yeah, I'm a kind of a nerd and I, I actually look at studies and I, I go out of PubMed and I kind of like go down the rabbit hole. Anytime I read, you know, news articles late at night or something, I actually then follow those news articles to the peer-reviewed and published journals just to confirm what is being pulled is actually the factual information because there's just so many layers to everything. I know more recently there was the study around erythritol, which is a, sh- a sugar alcohol. And, you know, I even listened in podcasts and you were like, oh, it's horrible. And, you know, we don't use it at Ritual, but I was just kind of curious to understand that study a little bit more. And it was conducted on 
populations that were already at, at high risk. So there's just kind of things that you, not a really well constructed study, I would say. And so it, it's just interesting before you get kind of alarmist in our industry or, or just in the health and nutrition space, it's interesting to kind of just go a little deeper and follow things down to the actual journal or study. And, and I think making sure that things are actually peer reviewed and published in journals. So oftentimes anyone can conduct a study but there's no real scientific consensus on that. And that I think it's important to kind of be your own advocate for your health. Okay. So you're a high performance individual, the very definition of that. Surely you have stressful things happen to you on an almost hourly basis, certainly daily. What is your favorite way to unwind? It used to be alcohol and I, I gave up drinking six months ago and I've never felt better. You know, maybe I'll have a margarita on the beach one day. Not, not going to say no, don't need that in my life, especially during the week or or the weekends. And you know, that, that kind of leads you to like, Oh, how am I going to separate this work life and this family life? And there's almost like no time in between and to, to decompress between the two, because, you know, usually it was like a glass of wine or something. Right. So for me, it's just, it's been things like meditation or yoga, certain supplements. And honestly, having, I, I carve out the time to work out every single day. I need it mentally. And it's like my non-negotiable, I'll literally push anything I have that's way too early, <laughs> even if it's really important, because I will, not function as a human. And that's taken a while to to get there, I would say, because as a new mom, I just, I've always prioritized everyone else but myself. So making myself just like adamant about that workout in the morning has been really, really helpful. And then I would say like more, including working out, but just having these like grounded rituals in a way that it, that are non-negotiable, whether it's the water or the matcha or the working out and the, and the supplements, they kind of keep me sane because everything is so unpredictable. And, you know, my daughter woke up last night and she, she wanted to change her pajamas. <laughs> so, yeah. You know, then I don't sleep for another hour or two and I have this podcast recording. You just don't know, or, you know, some, there's a fire drill at work this morning as well. You can't predict everything going on around you. It's like constant chaos. So like, what are the things that you, you can actually control? And sorry, that was around a way of getting to the answer, but that's the answer is more like finding those grounded things that, that you can actually control in your life. That's good. I, yeah. I just bought a bonsai tree yesterday. Oh, wow. Did I show it to you? No, uh, we'll take a look. Is that part of your grounding practice? Fukian tea, bonsai. Wow, yeah. nice. Or what do you do? Water? What's part of the ritual? Is it watering? No, it? You, you, well, I just got it yesterday, but according to my daughter who was here this weekend and we went and bought it together, apparently what you do is you meditate staring at the tree. Hmm. And then that's kind of how you determine the pruning. Like, wow. <sighs> through like intense understanding of your tree. And the guy that I, the guy that I bought it from was a trip. Okay. (laughs) Good tree loving man. I mean, this guy and in tune, he was like, yeah, this this tree has a really strong trunk personality, you know? And and you're just like, yes, I want this one with a strong trunk personality. I love it, Ed. You're on a new level. Uh, Yeah. So that's where I, that, just thinking about like this, uh, these rituals to unwind. That's where I'm headed. Incredible. I gotta try, I gotta try that. I, I just reminded me of one other thing that 
like my yoga teacher said the other week, I was like, wow, I really love like your class and coming here. And he's like, I think you like it because you want someone else to like guide you through something Mm. and you don't want to be thinking of that. And I was like, I think that's it. Like I like doing classes or yoga when someone is guiding me through something and I'm not the one (laughs) leading other people through it. And and I think that's been the big unlock for me. And maybe meditation is this, this, well, I guess you kind of have self-guided, but maybe the bonsai tree helps you (laughs) guide you through it. But it is interesting as a CEO, like having some, someone else guide you through something is really, it's very valuable. I can totally relate. So to wrap up, our episode, Kat, what is one piece of advice you would give to your younger self? I haven't thought about that question in a long time. I, if I would think about it today, because I just came off the heels of my daughter's Wizard of Oz performance yesterday, and I would say to embrace being really different. And I think that when I was younger, I really struggled with having a weird name and looking different and speaking a different language and being into math. And, and I think all those things that when I was younger, that kind of made me uncomfortable or things that have impacted my career and my relationships and have been actually the the most positive things that I, I think I have in my life. So, you know, and I want this for my kids too, is like, you know, they're their quirkiness and the things that they view as different from from the norm are the things that like we almost need to accentuate the most as we get older. That's great. Well, thank you so much for joining us. It's been incredible to learn about you. It's been incredible to learn about your company, your family. I have really enjoyed this episode. Amazing thank you, story. Kat. I agree. Thank you. I also have a code for your listeners at ritual.com slash capital. They can get 20% off ritual. Awesome. Hot deals. Thank you so much for that. Thank you. All right. This is fun. All right. Thanks, Kat. Great talking to you. Once again, it's clear that conscious leaders can find a way to put meaning behind the mission of a company in a truly holistic way, and we can all make a difference. You've taken the first step by listening to the Beyond Capital podcast. Thanks for joining us. Don't forget to rate, review, and if you haven't yet, subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. For more information, go to beyondcapitalpodcast.com. You can follow me at EA Stevens on Twitter. And you can follow me at Conscious Investor on Instagram.